Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet, where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon e-commerce space. Sound really ominous, how I said that today. So uh, not to scare anyone away, but this is uh, a great place to learn all the gr- from lots of great insight from people and experts in the Amazon e-commerce space, people who have sold, people who are in the service industry, people who are helping Amazon sellers and e-commerce businesses grow and scale their businesses. Uh, without this uh, podcast, I just want to go ahead and say, give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Ping Pong Payments, presented by Crossover Commerce, or Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong Payments is helping sellers grow as well, scaling their businesses, whether it be sending or receiving money worldwide, helping over a million customers worldwide internationally, helping them save more money, putting it back to their bottom line, whether it be sending or receiving funds, paying out their suppliers, manufacturers, your VAs, your business entities, however that looks, make it more simple and safe and secure with ping pong payments. Um, you can go to all of our past episodes, all past 200, and I'm going to look at the number 235 episodes on our website. That's usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast. So you can check those out, all the past transcripts. Um, all the past key takeaways, resources that we've mentioned in every episode. So if you listen to those and you don't know what uh, what we were talking about, go to those pages to make sure you get pointed in the right direction. All information about our past speakers uh, that have come onto the show and information that we've published as well. You can also follow us live if you're watching or listening to this right now. You can let uh, give us a note below in the comment section, whether it be on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter. Uh, we get to see all those uh, fun, cool things that you guys did to send in just a simple hi or hello or let us know where you're listening from. Or you can just ask us a question. So myself or our guest or guests, I have multiple guests on today, uh, you can always ask them questions or a clarification about something they might say and uh, be more than happy to interact through that. If you catch us on a different time or on a different podcast or just listening on um, listening to after the fact, um, we've had actually a good uh, example of I had a, uh, a a person, a guest on here 15 months later, they had a client come from it, but simply just because they wanted to ask a question, they found us on YouTube and uh, they connected with our guests. So it happens. It, it, it might not be today, but if you have a question uh, here in 2023 or 24 or 25, wherever you find this episode, uh, make sure that you reach out to uh, the respectful people. Just look in the comment section below and you'll be able to find the right ways to do that. Without further ado, I want to go ahead and bring back on Friends of the Show. Uh, you might have heard that term before if you listen to the podcast. Friends of the Show are people who typically uh, have made it through an episode or two with me. And uh, they, they come back on and they say yes multiple times. So I haven't scared them away, but they're welcome back anytime to bring valuable information for you, the listener, um, so that they can help grow your business and help things that they've seen and portray that to the public. So without further ado, bring back friends of the show, Chris McCabe and Lee McHugh of e-commerce. Chris, let me go ahead and pop up both. And we're live. Okay, guys, yeah. welcome back to Crossover Commerce. I think this is my first time, actually, but it is and, not Chris's. First yeah, time. well, yeah. you're still a friend of the show because Chris came on, so you're, you're by association. You're friends friend of, of mine. I've met cool. you in person, yeah. therefore, yes. friend of the show. Yes. Uh, both and, of you, welcome uh, coming on. And co-creators of the Seller Velocity Conference. That's I right. Yeah. I, I want to say co-creators of e-commerce the Seller E-commerce Chris. <laughs> e-commerce Chris. <laughs> so Chris is the name, but yeah, Leah, you helped co-found e-commerce Chris, right? Or you joined early on? Like, what was your uh, I joined early on. 
I like wow. to say, and it upsets Chris every time I say it, that I put the e-commerce e in e-commerce, Chris. I was gonna say you're you're the you're the e-commerce part of the Chris. I put the Amazon in e-commerce, Chris, but the breadth of my knowledge in e-commerce, um, a lot of it came from getting to know Leah's background. She was working at a Boston-based startup. She was kind of a brand builder way long ago, and continues to be. And that's one reason why. Um, I mean, all in all seriousness, that's one reason why this year's conference is so focused on on revenue expansion and, and brand building is be way back when the seeds of it, wouldn't you say, Leah, kind of come from your experiences 10 years ago, a long time ago. Yeah, right? it's a weird yeah. thing in a new industry where you're 36 and are an industry veteran somehow. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, my my experience was more e-commerce rather than Amazon specific before I started working with Chris. Like we worked with Amazon, but it was a sales channel, not the entire business. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I can associate with that because yeah. yeah, I was in charge of affiliate marketing driving through growth marketing, uh, through our direct to consumer channels. So other people right. did Amazon. I just was very aware of it and, but I helped grow. Yeah. Seven figures. I'm sure you were crushing it too. So that's very cool. <laughs> um, and when I worked yeah. at Amazon, looking at seller accounts, like when I was investigating accounts or warning people looking at their listings, I didn't really think about, oh, this is a reseller. Oh, this is a private label brand. Or how will the action I'm taking impact this brand versus another kind of a seller? Like we didn't really think about that. We thought of the world in terms of seller account, seller account, seller account. You know, how much are they selling? Not so much what are they selling? Interesting. Um, so, so you guys were all profit yeah. focused and number focused instead of on the actual item? I think we were just su subjective and biased in terms of thinking like, well, Amazon is where people sell stuff. I mean, obviously, you know, people sell on their own website, but even back a few years ago, we knew that whatever they were selling on Amazon was way, way more than what they were selling on their website. So we kind of like started forgetting about other e-commerce channels, like not consciously, but it just fell farther and farther back to the point where we started looking them, looking at them as Amazon businesses and we started Seller Velocity referring to that as a brand, Amazon brand conference. But I mean, really, it's a brand conference because we're talking about e-commerce generally, not just that's sort of the irony of e-commerce, Chris. Like I started it, of course, thinking, well, I have an Amazon background and that's all it says on LinkedIn, but I'll learn more about what sellers are selling on eBay and Walmart and all these other channels, their own websites. But everyone on LinkedIn, I mean, this is back before Leah helped me you know, make the first website. <laughs> um, and, and back then I didn't have a website. I only had a LinkedIn presence, but everyone asked me about Amazon and no one ever asked me about eBay or Walmart or any other channels. So it's just, we've come kind of full circle now with what we're doing on the conference. Um, talking well, about it. those other channels. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, well, a lot of it, I think, like you said, it's kind of full circle and, mm -hmm. and we titled today's episode for everyone who, who who's like on the edge of their seat right now, listening, <laughs> what are they going to talk about today? <laughs> we're just talking about scaling your business on Amazon long-term strategies. And this mm -hmm. is something where a lot of people don't necessarily have to think about that. They think of, Oh, I want to think about short-term. Like what am mm -hmm. I selling this month or next month or in the year? That's not really technically long-term long-term would be like four or five, six, seven, eight. I've seen sellers that, you know, have been on 10 plus years yeah. and it doesn't seem like they've been on that long, but um, scaling your business. So that's a long-term brand brand focus instead of I'm a, I'm a widget seller. I, I just 
you know, buy and sell. You're a commodities trader almost like in capacity, right. but you're you're reselling on Amazon. Um, so why why is this topic super important and relevant here in 2022? Like why is it now full circle, Chris and Leah? I think yeah. you really need to start looking at the longer term strategies now as opposed to a few years ago because the industry itself is changing. It's starting to consolidate. So all of a sudden, these smaller sellers are now competing even more against billion dollar companies. So if you're just competing on price or if you're competing on ad spend, chances are you're going to get outbid <laughs> pretty quickly. Um, whereas if you're if you start focusing more on your brand strategies and how your off Amazon strategies also affect your Amazon strategies, you're setting yourself up way better for long-term growth and potential rather than just hopping on trends and hoping right. it pays off in the short or long-term. I mean, also because of what we do for a living every day, you know, we see the trouble that short-term strategies get people into. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're looking at it, <laughs> well, well, reviews were the big thing, right? Product review manipulation, sales rank manipulation, which the nature of Amazon's enforcement's changed, but not yeah. to interrupt what you were saying. But No, no, you're fine. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, the short term ones are the ones that tend to get people into trouble because they tend to be the like, oh, I found this loophole <laughs> that Amazon right. isn't currently enforcing or, or nobody else knows about. Uh, generally speaking, if you find a loophole, you are not the only person <laughs> that, that knows about it. And mm -hmm. also eventually, if it's something that Amazon doesn't want to seeing, it'll, it, it, it will cost you in some way, whether it's the listing or right. your account, depending on what it is that you're doing. Also, when everyone's doing it, they notice it faster. They decide, they huddle up and decide we need to create an enforcement action around this. And that's where these crackdowns come from. Right. People love to say like, why are they cracking down now? Why are they, you know, this is all of a sudden this is a lightning strike. Well, it's probably building up in the background. It's just, you know, like pressure building up and they have to do something about it eventually. So when it reaches a fever pitch, then they jump in and they start suspending listings. I mean, another example, not reviews abuse related would be certain listing optimization trends. We have some brands approaching us saying, well, our competitors are all doing this. And yeah, technically it's a loophole or technically it's a policy violation, but everyone's doing it or our competition's doing it. Or we've heard about this from, from a marketing company that does listing optimization and it's, it's all short-lived stuff. And most of the brands we work with, I mean, some of our ongoing monthly clients we've been with, I don't know how many years. I mean, those are established brands. Maybe they weren't hundred percent established when they latched on with us, but they're not in it for a short-term score, a short-term play. And that's why maybe some brands who are focused just on exit strategy are missing, you know, the forest through the trees a little bit. They're like, Hey, I got to do a quick uh, kind of smash and grab and, and build this up really quickly and sell it really quickly. And maybe I'll do that again. We've heard from some people who yeah, want to just repeat, you know, rinse right. cycle, repeat through that. So. I have a question. You, you brought up the nature of cyclical nature. Is it something that people will, like you said, try to do review manipulation or the some of the bad stuff that you think to rank you see it you saw it like three years ago or four years ago and then all of a sudden it comes back like it's almost like trendy stuff like it will go mm -hmm. away then it'll come back is that mm -hmm. is that pretty prominent in the space that you guys have worked with and you see more pop up than others or what are yeah so it'll be that? cyclical in sellers behavior but it's also cyclical in amazon's behavior so a lot of times we'll see like we'll have weeks where every single case that comes in is the same kind of case. Amazon right. just does a purge and suspends a whole bunch of accounts for the same reason. And then we won't see any more suspensions for that reason for like months. 
until hmm. they do yet another purge, particularly listing compliance for whatever, not not like uh, like product compliance, but particularly listing policies for whatever reason, they'll go like on a massive purge and then not do it again <laughs> for months. And so I think also sellers don't take it as seriously because they're like, well, I've been doing this for years and it's never affected me. It's, it's yeah. just sort of, you know, luck of the draw, whether they get you in the purge. And it, yeah, go yeah. ahead, Chris. Well, no, just a quick point. I can shed some background on how the internal ops would, I mean, very simply put, we would have meetings, right? Once a week, maybe, maybe more often than that. But management would say, what are you seeing a lot of? You know, very basic throw it out there stuff. And a bunch of us would say, well, we're seeing a lot of reports for this or we're seeing a lot of violations for blank. And then that would sort of start the idea in terms of, well, we need to do something about that. It would either come organically from us just talking about what we were seeing every day in terms of people breaking policies, you know, policy violations that were reported from competitors, uh, less common th those days than it is now, or it would come from on high, right? Some VP would see an escalation um, or somebody senior VP would see something um, or Jeff himself would see something and say, I saw a complaint about blank or there's been a lot or of negative emails. press. Negative, negative press well yeah so triggers. yeah it comes it could come from an email you know back in the day sending the jeff at amazon it could come from his inbox it could come from press and pr people went to management and said what should we say about blank then they would go to people like my boss or my boss's boss and say we need to do something about this and when it comes from on high all of a sudden there's the scramble and everyone starts putting into place you know meetings with engineers we got to create um, some, some, you know, algorithmic solutions to this, to capture the right seller accounts, the right listings, the right type of brands, and then investigate them, do the manual side. Once we've done the, you know, the automation, the sort of scrape of who's doing this stuff, then it's the rest of us in seller performance going through, looking at them one by one. And that's why all of a sudden you get all these either automated messages that are followed up by appeals and manual reviews or manual actions where they're, suspending listings or suspending accounts. That's kind of where you hear from sellers a lot of this, like, where did this come from? You know, how does this start? That kind of gives a little window into it. Is, is it true? Um, obviously, I think a lot of people try to play ignorant. Like, Amazon doesn't know what's going on. Uh, is, that, is that just a, a silly philosophy? Like, of course they do. It's the platform. Like, for example, like review manipulation, you can clearly see where review comes from. You can go on the back end where the IP mm -hmm. address is is there a trend like what what are you know what is the rate of review if it spikes or not you can look at those analytics and people's jobs alone is to review trends on that to either a if it's doing really well and it's applicable to something happening in society push mm -hmm. that product more or on the back end it could be a negative thing so it, is it silly to think that amazon doesn't know go, what's going on with all these different manipulations quote unquote whether how big or how small mm, they're aware I think of they, yeah <laughs> i think they're aware it's just scaling it is not always right. painless so that's why you'll often see a lot of people get falsely flagged they'll get caught up in the purge and while they're still working out how they can do it automated you know a lot more and more of the stuff we're seeing is is through algorithms and automation which only then gets reviewed by a real person once you submit an appeal saying hey this is incorrect or Hey, sorry, <laughs> you know, yeah, depending on what, what the case may be. Yeah. 
Has there ever been like um, our bad? Hey, we we caused you this much money, like retribution, retribution almost. Like Amazon would never do that, correct? In, in the capacity of, hey, we wrongfully suspended you for a week or so. Here's for your time and for your med. Like they they can't do that, right? It's just. I mean, there's impossible. been some people have told us in very infrequent instances they've gone to Amazon and said, we know we're, n- we're not able to sue for damages here, but um, something you did cost us. And usually that's going straight to Amazon legal, right? I think with attorneys who come back with you guys, you know, we've caught you dead to right screwing something up that hurt our client and they experience financial duress. But I mean, I don't know. I think that's been sorted maybe in the arbitration process. Yeah, I think it's more of an arbitration thing. Yeah, I don't, Amazon doesn't just offer <laughs> offer the arbitration like hearings sometimes to sweep Prime for a year, guys. Well, yeah. just Go to, away. to settle something. <laughs> it's, it's not uncommon in other court cases as well, right? It's like, well, we could hem and haul over this for months, but maybe as a settlement offer, you know, since since there's so much evidence and there's an abundance of information showing that there was an error on Amazon's side that cost this business something um, will offer you blank. But I think that's mostly been through arbitration. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, obviously you guys deal with a lot of like impactful things, whether it be outside the seller's uh, circumstance, but it, it typically comes down from Amazon, how they interpret TOS. And like you said, either be removal or whatnot, but you mm-hmm. also have like your pulse on um, kind of what Amazon's announcements are. I know, I think Jeff, uh, J- Jassy actually just had his first uh, state of the the union <laughs> state of the union. But it was it was really pa- uh, powerful yesterday. And actually, a friend of the show, uh, one of a podcast, Lisa actually reached out and she had a question. This is something that was really buzzy yesterday. I didn't really know what for and how much of a, an impact it was. If it's a lot, is a little, but a lot of people were talking about it. I know this is not necessarily under your guys' uh, umbrella of impact, Mm -hmm. but as impactful as e-commerce and strategy is concerned, Amazon charging, you know, it was a 5% increase, I believe, uh, for fuel inflation surcharge on FBA fulfillment fees. How is that going to impact, do you think, positively or negatively, maybe on something that you guys effectively try to tell people don't do that because it's going to, you know, if you're taking from one hand, do you have to like make it up in another area and you mm-hmm. might have to turn to the dark side to do that? I don't know. Hopefully not. Is that, is this going to have a major impact for people that you think? I think the biggest impact will be on how people are utilizing FBA. I think last year they tried to reduce the load on their FBA warehouses by restricting how much inventory people could send in. And that nece- didn't necessarily work out so well. I think Amazon is getting a lot more friendly towards merchant fulfilled as they're struggling to keep up with <laughs> their own fulfillment. Um, so I think, you, you know, we'll see a lot of people, especially with, you know, lower cost items where maybe it's just not worth the additional FBA fees or fragile items or hazmat items, things that are harder to already send into FBA. I think maybe those additional fees will have more people looking for third party warehouses or fulfilling it themselves. In terms of black hat strategies, I mean, honestly, like most of the black hat strategies I see aren't necessarily improving working. <laughs> well, yeah. well, like most of them aren't, aren't. Most of them aren't to improve profit margins. They're just to yeah. they're designed improve to improve rank. overall sales. Yeah. So 
you know, if your if your margins are negative five and you improve sales, it's not really gonna. <laughs> help right, it's still negative five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always tell people you have to do math from the from the yeah. get go. Math doesn't change if you uh you don't change the inputs or the you know the, right. the factors in it. So, uh, Chris, sorry, uh, no, you were gonna say something. There's always going to be people looking for a quick score. We we don't get exposed to. Sometimes we hear chatter and rumors about it. Um, occasionally somebody comes through the site or emails us saying, Hey, what about blank? But um, you know, that's just the, the usual chase where Amazon's trying to reduce that kind of activity, but they usually react to it. Not, not proactively. They hear about it. They see people doing it. We just don't get exposed to a lot of the, you know, well, I'm going to dip into the dark side and then slide back over on, onto the, we don't get into the whole, Oh, but this is great gray hat. I mean, I threw that conversation away a long time ago because we don't. We think that Amazon views this in black and white terms. They interpret their own policies and guidelines in black and white terms. So Leah and I interpret everything in black and white terms too, um, unless we really see that it, the policy's unclear and that it's never been clarified by Amazon. But typically, sellers asking us about these tricks and shortcuts are simply interpreting things in a very favorable way to what they want to do, and we don't see it as unclear. We see it as you know, stark and direct, but they, for the purposes of what they're trying to do to boost sales or whatever, see it in a very favorable light to the dark side. So who are, uh, since I worked in SAS, I I've heard that I had to use the phrase great, great all lot, um, which really? is not a good thing, which is not <laughs> yeah. a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I think it's like interpretation. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you guys see, do you guys see the culprits more software or uh, product, or do you see it more service oriented individuals or companies that, get Everything. those in trouble on a third party sense um i think we're seeing less in terms of software since amazon tightened up their api rules right um but i mean certainly from all fronts um i think one major change in the last few years has been sellers reporting other sellers for bad behavior i think that has definitely improved yeah. um you know, how much of the bad behavior we're seeing because anybody can buy your product and that person could be your competitor who wants right. to shut you down for breaking the rules. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's not really, certainly we see a lot of bad things being taught to sellers. Um, you know, the going back to the hacks thing, it's- Well, the inserts know. is a good example, right? Well, that's another right. thing that, yeah. that kind of went away for a while and came back because everybody forgot about how a bunch of people got suspended for that. Well- and there, were, there was an interesting dynamic with the packaging inserts, right? Because some people decided, I don't want to get suspended. It's too risky. I'm going to pull out my inserts or make them more compliant. And uh, whether they pulled them all out immediately or sold through their remaining inventory and then changed them probably varied. Mm -hmm. But they got to the point where suspensions for that sort of thing was so common, they pulled their own out and then they could start accusing other people of doing right. it when they did test buys from their competitors. Yep. If you go back a few years before that, everyone was like, well, if I accuse you, you might look at my inserts and accuse me. Then we both get shut down. So yeah. if you tidied up your little corner, then you were in a better position to accuse others without being accused right. yourself. And that was a sort of flywheel effect of, oh, now competitors are really getting into reporting each other, but only if their own house was in order. Of course, Leah and I saw some cases where people were accusing comp competitors, but they didn't have their own house in order, and they got they got accused themselves and maybe suspended themselves. So yeah, you I be think as with that. I think as recent as maybe Christmas, I saw some. I was 
really sure that we're against TOS. Of. Oh, yeah, Anytime definitely. a review or rating or a star, any indication like an icon or anything like that, I mm -hmm. see as like a, in my mind, red flag. I, I, I mean, I go on their website and I, or I go through their, their profile and I'm like, that makes sense. Like you haven't <laughs> been around a long time or right. something like that where, you know, there's compensation, but I've seen creativity in terms of like, obviously specifically inserts. I've talked about mm -hmm. a couple episodes of, Hey, you know, film your unboxing experience. Like, you know, we, uh, we're a small business yeah. is film it, um, and post with the hashtag. And if you get to a certain amount, you know, we'll, we'll send you a new product or one of our upcoming products or even a gift card to our store or something, mm -hmm. something like that, which I obviously think is really cool. Um, in, in terms of like social engagement too. So yeah. I, I think people's creativity kind of sucks sometimes. And they're just like, ah, oh, like make us do better and do all the work for us instead of get creative with it. And in a good way. Um, yeah, I think my so. favorite uh, insert story was from last year. It was a new story about somebody who works for the FTC ordered something from Amazon and reported their non-compliant inserts to Amazon and also to the FTC. Like yeah. you just have to remember anybody can buy your product, and including also, regulators. Well, <laughs> it's not just regulators. Um, I know people who work at Amazon who have reported stuff yeah. that they that they, <laughs> they bought. shop too. <laughs> Yeah. Or even um, since I'm in Seattle a lot, you know, traveling there in business, um, friends of Amazonians. So they will buy, they just, they're friends because they happen to live in Seattle and happen to have friends who work at Amazon. It's not even that they have friends who work on the enforcement side of the business, but they might, <laughs> they might have friends who worked on my former teams, but I know a guy who knows a guy or something. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's not even, yeah, it's, it's multiple degrees removed, but because they show somebody at Amazon and somebody at Amazon says, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. And they report it. Um, is, it doesn't matter where it comes from. It could come from an employee, a regulator, a buyer, a seller. If it's a valid complaint, if they look at that insert, for example, and they see something that breaks the rules, they can justify taking action against that seller. And that's why it's such a high risk behavior. Um, we know yeah. it's a mixture of people who are gun shy about marketing this way and, and people who are over aggressive about it. So I understand why they kind of like to say gray is something in between there. Um, but whoever you are, have somebody who understands compliance, review these things before you start putting them in all your packaging, because it's very expensive to have to pull those all out. Amazon yeah. just sends you a warning. And sometimes in the warning itself, they embed added text that says you need to get these out of there to get yeah. this ace and reinstated be very and, clear yeah exactly it's hard yeah. to take it back once you once you start to push mm -hmm. it out whether it be expensive or obviously shutting down listing or pulling your product in general um i know we talked about i mean it's, it's not a negative space to be in it's just hey th this are, these are ways that people try to build mm -hmm. their business what are the ones that you guys see six i'm gonna I'm spin it on the head before we talk about the conference mm -hmm. positive long-term strategies of successful businesses on amazon what are those like key core three that you're consistently doing that are going to be successful hands down doesn't matter who it is what products you sell these are going to always be tried and true well so we unfortunately don't get to work a lot on, the, <laughs> yeah. on the positive side on of the things. revenue yeah um, but that's right. why we created the, i mean it's funny i mean that's why we created the conference there are right. things yeah. that we don't offer we're not a full service agency. We're not marketing experts, but what do we like to do? Introduce Amazon brands to experts we know and trust like the ones we have as speakers at Seller Velocity. I mean, that's kind of where the conference came from, right, Leah? 
Yeah. I mean, we do certainly work with successful brands who just kind of keep us there to keep everything working right and Mm -hmm. protect them from maybe some competitors who don't do as well as them. Um, And I think, you know, the ones, most of the ones that we work with who are very successful all all kind of do similar things. You know, they're, they're focused more on branding rather than just Amazon stats and playing the Amazon game. They're not just looking at Amazon as their only platform. They're looking at it as a way of being where their customers are. So Amazon is one of those places, but it's not their entire strategy. I think our, our best clients are the ones that you see in their own websites and you see influencers talking about them on social media and you see them in stores. Like they do extremely well on Amazon. They do everything. Because everything. not like, you know, they do good stuff on Amazon too, but all of this external thing, all of the external branding and all of the external channels also help drive their Amazon business as well. Yeah. And they're so not you, reliant on Amazon to keep their business going. They can't be because right. that's the all eggs in one basket. Right. Um, and that's kind of gets back to the question. I think it was Lisa who asked the question about the 5% surcharge. Yep. 5% surcharge. Well, you know, if Amazon knows there is, there's a certain percentage of people that they're going to jack up the fees on that are all Amazon, which somewhere they've got some data that reflects that, then they feel emboldened to take these measures. I think there's some other stuff going on behind the scenes. I mean, they're also buying fleets and fleets of airplanes. I mean, they have to start making up, it's not just about fuel surcharges. They have to start making up for some of the costs. They are, they're a big player in shipping and transpo now. And I think they're up to, they went from 70 to 120 planes kind of Mm -hmm. overnight. Now I heard they're up to like 150, 160, 170 planes. Well, what does that mean? That means they're trying to master, they're doing one day prime, you know, just to get back to that question for a second, where does this stuff come from? They want to master last mile delivery and they want to compete with FedEx and UPS. You know, um, I did a, a video interview with CNBC on this last summer. I mean, why is this such a big, everyone sees what Amazon's trying to do. Yeah. They're trying to master not just delivering orders to people. They're trying to become players in shipping. Let me, <laughs> let me, pick, let me, uh, let me pick. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and on a little rant here about FedEx and UPS for a second. <laughs> Let's talk about shipping for a while. Let's talk about shipping. Yeah, I was going to say this has nothing to do with what any of us are experts in right now, but uh, let's complain about Amazon Air. What baby. we do best. So uh, I was away on, uh, I was gone last week, as you guys know. I was I was not in my home and packages are coming and going because I have a problem buying stuff. <laughs> Let's just be um, no, I actually, uh, it was something, I think it was uh, this sweatshirt I got from HQ. They sent it. They didn't tell me when it was going to come. So mm-hmm. I blame my company for support. No, just kidding, ping pong. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, packages arrive when I'm not going to be here. Coming UPS, or let's say uh, it was coming UPS. UPS mm-hmm. has a strategy. If you are not there, you have to pay $10 for it to just not be delivered to your home. Wait, or not what? just to hold ups makes to you have pay. It hold, to hold i didn't know they charged yeah. for that a now flat, oh a flat ten dollars it could be wow. it could be costing less than ten dollars if it's coming ups it's ten dollars wow. per per package that they have right. to hold then we'll deliver after a set amount of time it could be as long as you want but per package that you are supposed to get via them it's ten dollars i'm pretty positive that amazon can reroute to a locker in no time, clearly, and, and not cost a thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's to to the point. Ending my rant, I think it's just the convenience factor and the cost factor of 
well, if that customer who's always right mm-hmm. by everyone's standards, if you're going to make them pay an extra ten dollars to not get their package or to for convenience reasons you're gonna lose that customer i think long term because you're just nickel and diming people but ten dollars is a lot just to hold and not get your package for a day or two which i paid because i don't want a package sitting on my front door right that's an issue and ups and amazon are in bed with each other right they're partners um sure in the same way that Walmart and FedEx appear to be, you know, partnering. So it's just kind of like, this is a bigger piece in the chessboard of the the shipping war that we'll see playing out in various ways in the next five years. But I do think um, Shopify, you know, they, their shop app, it's very good. They're doing some it. interesting things there. Yeah. So it's like you're automatically getting notifications. It's automatically tracking. Like they're not getting into the shipping space, but they're still right. trying to make it a little bit better when you shop with them. So yeah, the shop app, uh, yeah, it's just, it's literally a shop app. If you haven't downloaded it, I highly suggest because it's embedded, it can embed Amazon as well as ultimate, ultimate different things. Mm -hmm. So any, I pulled up the app right now, seeing estimated packages, for example, like bespoke.com. I have one coming from tomorrow. Um, Amazon, you can sign in. Um, It it can actually procure from shops that you love and also, um, you know, brands that you like, and it can also automate and suggest products and stuff, which is, you know, a whole different marketing game, but yeah. really cool to tell you and notify you when to expect packages because you get, you get a window of seven to 14 days. Who yeah. cares? Um, right, exactly. I'd like to know. Um, there's, a, there's a separate podcast we could do just on the ship, the shipping wars in the last mile, but or returns. You know, That's well, I mean, itself. yeah. Oh my God. People like to say, uh, regulators would take issue of Amazon taking over too much of the shipping business in general. And the more planes they add, the more likely they are to compete or eat into competition from FedEx and UPS. But I mean, Amazon's kind of shown their way, shown that they know their way around the regulatory space before, mm-hmm. you know, um, they got through buying Whole Foods pretty, pretty easily, pretty well. They, pretty quickly. They, they mm-hmm. closed on the MGM and and yeah, all their assets very quickly it's okay that's where prosper yeah. prosper is now owned by yep. uh by amazon now guys it, right. it's it's a fact we're all staying at amazon property mandalay yep. Bay. yeah that was weird so which which brings <laughs> us to bend oregon right <laughs> yeah i was gonna say natural transition yeah. to how do we how do we seclude bend ourselves is... away from, <laughs> away from <laughs> yeah bend is not i mean all due respect to las vegas um every time we go there for prosper we go to cirque du soleil and we don't go to that anywhere else in the United States anyway. Um, Bend is different. Bend is maybe not necessarily a conference town, but it doesn't mean it's a good, it's not a good place to have a conference. Um, we think it's a great place. There's tons and tons of stuff to do there. Um, being a Boston native and somebody who lives in the Boston area in the Northeast, I love that the I love the fact that there's so many things to do in Bend that I can't do here. That's um, a good thing. Yeah, and natural yeah. transition. Uh, yeah. First and foremost, if people don't know what we're talking about, Bend uh, Seller Velocity Conference. Uh, linking out below. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I almost had this time dry. We started the podcast right when is exactly 14 days into the conference, guys. So we planned awesome. this perfect. Oh, we did. Uh, wow. If you look at this uh, timeline uh, in real life, uh, that is live. Yes. That is live and uh, it's <laughs> kicking down. So it's exactly, it's less than 14 days now. So mm-hmm. if you weren't freaking out, it's coming soon. Um, <laughs> Time to freak out everybody. If you don't tell have a me, ticket. Yeah. yeah. 
we talked about, I think we talked a little bit about this last conference that you had, Chris, it was in Boston. Yep. Was that the first uh, seller velocity conference or was it? This is our no, fourth. This is our this fourth. Is your fourth. Holy cow. Why yeah. did I think? Yeah. I thought this was new for some reason. Uh, we do them in a different city each time. That's right. So the first year was New York. Second year was Seattle. Third year, Boston. Right. Fourth year, Bend. Right. We're in the <laughs> major cities of, and then Bend, Oregon. Yeah. We're alternating oh, yeah. East coast, West coast. <laughs> I mean, in, in four years, that's been the, the pattern. So um, tell me why Bend, Oregon, because you said those major cities, if you don't know where Bend, Oregon is, it's not a direct flight city. Let's just be clear. It's uh, a, <laughs> it's a, uh, you have to drive, you have to travel true. there. There's a lot oh, of well, direct sorry. flights in the Western United States. I'm not uh, taking a direct path there from Boston. If you're from the East coast. It's not a, it's yeah, not, not an from option for some of us um, who live in major cities. No, I mean, we've got people flying in direct from Salt Lake city, Seattle, um, you wouldn't LA. drive from Portland. Portland's close enough, but LA, the Bay Area, Colorado has direct flights as far as I know. I think Arizona does as well. Um, the, the airport's in Redmond. It's not in Bend, but they're kind of like sister cities right next to each other. So it's essentially the same thing. But cool, um, cool, uh, cool area. Like yeah. I said, is different. Um, why do you did you guys settle on them, or did they reach out to you? They How reached out work? to us. Yeah, we had people attend last year in Boston who are either agencies or brand owners. They're based in in Bend or elsewhere in Oregon, but they saw the format in Boston last year. They liked it. The lightning sessions, the breakout sessions. Um, and they encouraged us, given the startup community and the e-commerce presence already in Bend, already in Oregon, they, they encouraged us to do it there. Amazing. Um, yeah. So obviously in 14 days, we, there's, there's a, I think it's a cool conference because you guys focus on networking one day and then the next day it's all content all day mm -hmm. long. You, yeah. guys, you guys make it worthwhile in that trip out there. So VIP uh, access day one, you guys are doing... You know, just get out and about, but you have options, which is really cool. Options are always fun to have, guys. Yeah, um, we wanted to do something, something, um, you know, exercise or outdoorsy, but then also wanted to offer something for people who didn't want to do physical activity. <laughs> <laughs> who just want to eat and drink all day. Right, it's exactly. Big, so you can do either or both. <laughs> yeah, it's a big outdoors capital um, for mountain biking, for hiking. Um, people go tubing there in the summer when it's like 100 degrees. It will not be that hot. Uh, we picked a good time of year. It won't be too cold, won't be too hot. But for people who are skiers, there's Mount Bachelor 20-minute drive, which we did the other day. It took us maybe 25 minutes to get there. Mm -hmm. So you can ski for a couple hours and then come back to town and do stuff there. Um, but also, yeah, if you are not inclined to partake in physical activity, there are beer gardens. And it's a microbrew capital. And if you're not into beer, you can even drink Pinot Noir that Oregon's known for. So... Um, and on a nice day, the beer gardens, I can tell you are really cool. They're very spread out, lots of space. And everybody has have... uh, open fires outside, yeah. like fire pits. It's nice. Yeah. It's not just our wonderful conference. People do, you know, weddings, other events at, uh, some of the microbreweries and the, the beer gardens just are a giant patch of earth with benches and places to hang out and the fire pits, you know? So, so definitely a, a change of pace from Vegas or Miami or, Somewhere, somewhere where it's a lot of like high energy. This is more like relaxed. And I, and I think that's what's really, I told you guys this in person. I was like, yeah. this is my scene. If I were to pick one for sure. So obviously networking day one, a lot of people, this is only for a hundred people, right? This is, this is for the conference day. Correct? Conference yeah, day is for two days, actually only 50. Okay. So even right. less. So why, why'd you guys, why, why did it, why was it important to maybe 
cap it or do you i mean obviously i I'm not sure if they're like tickets are still available. I would I would say yeah. try to buy a ticket anyways. Uh, if even if it wasn't available uh, and you guys were capped, still try to go. Um, mm-hmm. But if you if you're, why why a hundred? Why not like three hundred or something a little bit more where you might get more people? Yeah, the way we format the conference, it just lends itself better to a smaller group. Um, also, in terms of networking, you know, it's a whole lot easier to network with a hundred people than to try to network with a thousand people. We right. really wanted to. I mean, Chris and I always say that we're trying to make a conference that we've always wanted to go to. So we try to just get the smartest people we know together in a room and then people who could benefit from that also in the room together in the hopes that that is going to turn into something great. And, you know, fun fact, last year, Jason Boyce from Avenue 7 Media met two of the three companies he acquired this year at our conference. So if you're a company that's going, you will be acquired is basically what you're right. getting. Jason Boyce will acquire you, yes. Possibly by Jason, Jason Boyce. himself. But, Jason, um, if you're listening to this, well, I got some companies I'm listening to. We, we also have an investor panel this year. I mean, why do we have these things? Because brands want to grow. Some of them want to grow to be acquired this year, and some of them are considering it for a future year. But And we understand exit strategy is part of any conversation about growth, um, because the more you grow, the more you attract interest. But why do we have an investor panel this year? Well, because there's, we believe, a variety of ways of investing in Amazon businesses. Um, we get approached by all kinds of parties all over the financial services and investment, investment banking communities and investor communities about brands we work with or how we advise brands to grow. Sometimes they don't even realize that our services aren't necessarily geared towards brand you know, growth or expansion, but then we talk to them about this conference and they get interested in that because they understand that this is where you can have conversations that are um, not necessarily the same kinds of networking conversations you'd have at a thousand person or 2000 person conference. So we're not, you know, uh, poo-pooing the giant conferences so much. It's just not what we're about with this conference. We, we think this is a different approach Right. And there's there's room for all kinds of approaches to this this type of conversation. Difference good, yeah. as we in the Amazon biz say, you want to differentiate yourself yeah. and stand out, yeah. keep so. it unique. We really yeah. we really nailed down the the format last year. Like I, looking yeah. at the pictures last year, if you look at any of the breakout sessions, all of the other speakers are like sitting in the front row and engaging in that. And that was that was what we wanted. We wanted you know, it's not just like your speaker shows up, they do their talk, they leave. Like yeah. it's, it's peer-to-peer learning. It's everybody's very engaged and it just ends yeah. up being a really great day for everybody involved. I and, zoomed in and, on this too. Uh, sorry, if, <laughs> don't freak out. Your website is still working. I zoomed in. Sorry. So okay. I probably <laughs> in on it. I know don't I keep out, things that I'm like, ah. And, don't uh, do it. I zoomed in. One other uh, compliment to our speakers. We've got high energy people who are good at motivating movement and thought and action um, and outspoke. I mean, Jason is vocal when he has questions for others. He's also very articulate, but in terms of Janelle Page and Crystal Abiasi, um, we have a really great Ritu, We have like, I, I think we had good energy last year, but we have like yeah. great energy this year. This is like um not chris mccabe character the best year yeah. yeah chris mccabe hanging out in the background well i like the two, the two chris's wearing the same suit right oh, look at that. chris and i share the same wardrobe amazon, no. amazon taught you guys yeah that. um i mean actually my topic is is brighter and more positive than what i normally talk about at other conferences simply because we're talking about 
you know, buttoning, examining and then buttoning up any weaknesses on your account or your brand for the purpose of growth. So this is the sunniest spin on the topics that (laughs) on the the, dark hole that you guys live in, right? The reinstatement strategies and, you know, the things I usually talk about. I mean, this year, this is the sunniest topic you'll probably ever hear me talking about. So (laughs) well, it's important. Like I would agree, like, you know, your weaknesses, therefore you can grow your strengths uh, or your strengths are stronger and your weaknesses, like you're only as good as your, your weakest point. So that's a good point to spin. Like you said, we need to spin on the dark times always. So, um, which is cool. I will be semi-motivational as a speaker this year, as opposed to don't do that, do, you know, do this, don't, don't screw, do that. Don't screw up. The don't school teacher stuff is um, taking a backseat. And you know what? That's not even, I mean, the irony is uh, whether we've become associated with like account suspensions and getting listings reinstated, when you get your listing back up, it is a happy time, right? It's, it's of course a dark day when it goes down, but that if the faster you solve that, the better it is. The less time you spend on a listing reinstatement or an account, a policy warning or an account level issue, the less time you spend on that, the more time you spend on growth. So yeah. it is part of that conversation by its nature. Yeah. yeah in, in the the world you guys live in, it is, it is a time suck, which is the ultimate commodity yeah. that none of us yeah. can get back. And time, time is money. I mean, it's very true, especially yeah. on Amazon and 24 hour cycle. If you're not up and running, you, you you are losing money minute by yeah. minute, hour by hour, day by day. Right. So that's very true. Um, very important. And it saps your energy. It's not just the revenue lost from having that ASIN down. There's a number associated with that, but there's also the amount of time you spent on it. So you lost whatever you would have been doing with that time. So there's an opportunity cost there. And then it's like a brain down, you know, and it makes you less motivated to grow and expand or even maybe launch a new SKU. Maybe you're like down for a month on a suspended listing and you're like, you know what? We're not going to launch this uh, other product this year. We're going to wait till next year because we're spending too much time putting out fires. So it just has that cumulative effect. Sure. Yeah. It's very important, obviously. Um, Are the panels, I know you guys in the years past, um, Mm -hmm. have you had these panels before or as many or what's the- No, so the panels are new this year. Um, They're part of the VIP day. Uh, so we have two panels on the VIP day, an investment panel, and then just what we're calling our VIP panel. So the investment panel is obviously about investment. And then the other panel is just generally about scaling your business. So we've been doing this video series with a lot of people about their top tip for scaling your business. Um, so we thought that that would be a great thing to have different people from different parts of the industry talking Mm -hmm. about what they're doing this year or what they think people should be doing this year to scale. Multiple former Amazonians. I mean, Stan Friedlander is moderating one of our panels. He was at Amazon for 10 years. Um, And George Westcott was there too as a category manager. So it's not just me as the ex-Amazon person anymore. Um, You have Amazon, Amazon people there now. Yeah. Like they are currently. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I think with all, I mean, conference or not with all of our content going forward, we're going to make sure that whoever the smartest person is that we know covering a certain area, that's the person we're going to give to you. Um, Whether they're ex-Amazon or not, it tends to be some ex-Amazonians are are out there now. And that's just a trend right now. We have the stable who, you know, they're not even really, they do Amazon, but they're, they're known more for their direct to consumer branding. We try to have people from other parts of the industry there as well. So it's not all Amazon because it shouldn't be all Amazon at this point. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It's important the overlap because uh, coming from both sides of the industry, of you know, as, as you know, Leo too, it's important mm-hmm. how they once they connect. It's kind yeah. of uh, your mind opens up in so many different ways. It's very curious to see like if you come from direct to consumership on Amazon, you're like this almost seems like too good to be true. Like uh, just this constant inflow of people, and I don't have to like market it and find like from zero. Like this is crazy. You know, Amazon <laughs> on the opposite side, it's like. Well, why am why I have to market more? I have to like find people to constant stream to my website. Like this is more difficult. So it's almost like the 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 two sides once they converge, it's almost like that aha moment for a lot of people. And that's where they take that step forward of either in different marketplaces or they 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 grow their business in that capacity, which is really important. I think if you're going to grow, have long term strategy, which again, which is what we promise to tell people of what's good long term Mm -hmm. strategy going to conferences like this so you can see both sides come together too yeah and it creates brands that people recognize you know there's a difference between a brand that someone might just happen to purchase when they're looking for something on amazon and a brand that people are looking for and i think that direct to consumer branding at that top end of the funnel gets that a lot more than many people working on the amazon side because you're not dealing with that part of the funnel absolutely and 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 that's very important i saw a post on LinkedIn that someone made the ridiculous claim of brands don't exist on Amazon and that that went around pretty quickly. That. Yeah. The, 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 the basis of it, Chris was brands don't exist on Amazon. Brands exist on D2C. Like, you know, brands only off of Amazon. Okay. Like, you, I guarantee no one could name a brand on Amazon and the Amazon community came to fight. Uh, they listed right. off all these different ones. They're like, Oh yeah, by the way, that billion dollar entity called Anchor or blah 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 blah. Or oh yeah, by the way, this company or this company, uh Zesty Paws or who was just acquired for over half a billion dollars. Like, are you (laughs) kidding me? Uh, So again, we we run in the space very, very close to it. Um, I think it I I think it does have a branding identity strategy or uh you know, weakness to it. There Mm -hmm. it's not at the forefront constantly. Um I couldn't tell you what if, if, if I didn't go to Anchor's website before, I couldn't tell you what like their logo was or anything like that. I think mm-hmm. people associate brain with logo. It's a visual cue yeah. instead yeah, of a yeah, product yeah, exactly. cue. Um, uh, you got me off on, on my uh, my soapbox here, guys. So, anyways, no one no one's here to to listen to that. Any other things like what what's important uh, to know if they want to? Obviously, they have less than two weeks to decide to go. Right. Tickets are still available. A few left, yeah. like very little. Yeah, left. the VIP, the VIP tickets are getting close to sell because so, you don't have to attend both days. So some people are, are just attending the conference day. We have a couple of people who are just attending the VIP day. Okay. Um, so there's like a couple of VIP ones left, but there's still a few conference passes left. So cool. yeah. Um, yeah, definitely join us. It's going to be a great couple of days. And we're, we're actually there the whole weekend. So if you, if you guys want to go skiing. Go early. <laughs> um, and, you get a, um, and you get a VIP, uh, you get a ski pass with a VIP ticket purchase. So we can all go on a little Amazon ski trip. Although there I need go. to take lessons because I haven't skied in like well, uh, remember pizza, f- <laughs> pizza, French fries. Yeah, I French fried when I should have pizza. I will not. I will not be skiing this week or next weekend, but uh, we'll be there. Yeah, my my whole company is going to be there um, that whole week, that whole weekend. And I'm getting there a few days early myself because I'm checking out local hiking trails because I know people will ask me where they should go hiking. A lot of the trails are right outside of town. So there'd be a short drive to the trailhead. We hiked a couple of them already, but there's a couple more I want to check out. 
And again, similar to the skiing, um, those are hikes that you could be in and out in two, two and a half hours and still do other things with your day. It's not like, you know, when I used to live in Seattle, driving out to Mount Rainier was like two hours or two and a half hours each way. And you'd spend more time in the car than you would on, on the hike sometimes, which isn't great. Uh, Bend is not like that. And, and all other activities kind of flow into that as well. It's, it's a lot to do. And also even downtown Bend is easy to navigate and walk. It's, you know, um, what, a few square blocks total. Yeah, so well, yeah, like, the downtown areas. Yeah, it's not like that big city presence. And that's what we want to capture. Not, not the same feeling you would get at, at a large conference, but also not the feeling you'd have in, you know, Manhattan or New York City. We're going kind of the opposite. So, so um, with that being said, do you guys have a place you have in mind for next year's conference uh, on the East Coast? Besides, I think we're not this year's first. Think about it until <laughs> the, this one yeah. is over. We no, don't, we're not uh, get Fair ahead enough. of yourselves, people. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, in theory, it's we're alternating East Coast West Coast. So next year, in theory, would be an East Coast city, but that is subject to change. Yeah. I can think so. of a couple cool ones that might be cool. Mm -hmm. um, not a lot of people, you know, the Carolinas or, you know, mm -hmm. Hilton Head or yeah. something, something pretty yeah. cool. We were just in Hilton Head. Actually. We were just in Hilton oh. Head. Yeah, we've, no, we've scouted some locations in the Carolinas um, uh, and, and the southeastern United States. Um, but uh, it, I'd have to go back and evaluate kind of every single thing that we would need. You know what's crazy? Um, a lot of people don't say it. Atlanta, Georgia, for some reason. I was talking with Lisa, who who commented mm -hmm. on the show. Not a lot of people say Atlanta, even though the airport sucks and it's really tough to get out in and out. It's very busy. Yeah, um, it's Atlanta, the busiest airport in the world. So yeah, busy because there's a lot of people that come and go. I mean, yeah. it's a very big international airport, but not a lot of people have like conferences in Atlanta, which is they do a lot of buyer conferences there. Though, like yes. America's yeah. Mart is there, and that's huge. Correct, and that's um, what the one we attended when I was uh, our wholesaler. Um, it was yeah. a huge just you know conference and it, floors and floors of product. It, it all just looks the same to me after all. It is <laughs> right. It's almost like yeah, it's like the Canton Fair, or just right. Like, oh, like, like you have to go in with a game plan, otherwise you're like, who do I go see? And what do I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's yeah. you can get lost. Uh, guys, I appreciate the time uh, for respect of it. I know. Chris, we've linked out to your, your profiles before, but yeah. to go to the conference or to sign up for it, they just go to what? Sellervelocity.com. Sellervelocityconference.com. Yeah. Sellervelocity Look, it's right there. It's right there in her name. I should have just cheated yes. off of that. Uh, I was looking on both screens and I and I sucked myself out. So sellervelocityconference.com. Yeah. So buy the tickets, uh, let them know or connect with you guys on social media as well mm -hmm. and ask questions, correct? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We're not recording this year. So previously we'd had virtual tickets, but this year yeah. we've, we've made the decision. All in person. Record, so. Gotcha. Yeah. So if, if they uh, also for business reasons, is there anything specific that you guys are really focused on this year or like uh, 2022 is a year of we're going to focus and grow in this area? Anything particular for e-commerce, Chris? We've had so much growth <laughs> in the last couple yeah. of years. I think this year we're just focusing on kind of catching up to the growth so we don't all lose our minds. Solidifying, yeah, just like any responsible brand on Amazon, we're solidifying our processes and our, our methodology um, because, because we've been approached by so many more brands that need help with Amazon in particular over the last year, um, year and a half. So um the increase for of, you guys is coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's our, well, I would say it started with the increase in generally in buying on Amazon during COVID. 
Um, The more people sold, the more they wanted to sell, the more they wanted to sell or the more listings that they put up, the more problems that they had potentially. Um, It just makes sense. Anytime you're selling more logically, more can go wrong. So we were approached by more people to troubleshoot issues and um, you know, like the rest of the world, we didn't necessarily anticipate a global pandemic. So the spike in interest in our services uh, you know, caught us a little bit off guard, just the way it did other businesses. But we've had a couple of years to catch up, and it's just kind of uh, you know nailing that down and solidifying how we uh, how we handle yeah. the influx of interest. It's a good problem to have, I suppose. We added to our team, so we're working yeah. on you know consolidating all that growth and the getting SOP all of our side. team members up to yeah. up to speed, so mm-hmm. they're confident in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, you guys are always doing a great job. So uh, from too. what I can see. Uh, continue the good work and everyone out there who's listening and if you haven't bought your ticket and you're really deciding between it, make sure you buy those before they join go. us. Yeah. Join them in, in person. So yeah. uh, Leah, Chris, thank you so much for always hopping on again, leave for the first time, which is weird to me. I just need to get <laughs> you on. I, I swear you've been on at least like three times, but I feel like we have this conversation us three every so mm-hmm. often. So, which is fun to right. have. I always, we like, just haven't recorded it before. No, yeah. you don't want to hear that. <laughs> you don't want that conversation <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. recorded. Yeah. So I appreciate you guys hopping on uh, today and best of luck at the conference. If I don't see you or talk to you guys before then, uh, thank otherwise yeah, thank uh, we'll have you on again in the future. So thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks Ryan. No problem. Again, thank you everyone else for tuning in uh, crossover commerce. Uh, obviously uh, thank you Vincenzo. Uh, con- great content as always and interesting. Thank you. Thanks Ivan for tuning in. Uh, thank you for tuning into uh, episode 236 of Crossover Commerce. Again, great information out there. This podcast is about uplifting and pointing people in the right direction for uh, information and education in that capacity. So if you guys haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our channels uh, on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, or follow us on our podcast destinations. You know where those exist here on Apple Podcasts, uh, YouTube, or excuse me, Spotify, Amazon Music, all subscriptions based that you can just get notified when future episodes come out. If you're in a hurry or you just like listening to everything, you don't want to watch it. You can listen to all of our content and get the show notes version of everything as well at usa.pingbongx.com forward slash podcast. I'm Ryan Kramer. Thanks again for tuning into crossover commerce. We'll catch you guys tomorrow. We have another great episode before we round out the week with our friends over at carbon six. We're going to be going through pixel me with our friend Clayton over there. Uh, If you don't know who carbon six is, uh, they're a sponsor of the Seller Velocity Conference, so we will talk about that. But then also, a uh, new company that you definitely want to be aware of. I'm Ryan Kramer. This is Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care.